And welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Kewl Show. I am your host today, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kewl. And boy, guys, it is glad to be home here back in West Michigan, finally. And yes, guys, I know it's another Sunday show. I have stuff going on tomorrow. I do apologize. But we are still here live on 12 Ounce Sports right down there in the corner. 12 Ounce Sports, whether you're watching us on Twitter, whether you're watching us on Facebook, on YouTube. That's how we file the chat. And of course, Zingo TV, channel 761. Go on there, use the promo code 12 Ounce. That's 1-2-O-N-Z or Z for your proper English, improper English users to watch us on the big screen on Zingo TV. We have... A lot to get to today, guys. Now, this is not our playoff preview yet because obviously the season's not over and also we don't know when the playoffs are going to start. Now, that may come later this week. So be on the lookouts. It may be on 12 ounce and maybe we're hoping that they wait until the Canucks season is done so we can all do a one big playoff show. It's going to be back to normal on next Monday for sure, though, back to our usual 6 to 8.30 time slot. But right now, not the playoff episode yet. We'll talk a little bit about playoffs. We'll look at, give a good look at the standings because a few teams have already punched their ticket to the, at least to the division title and, of course, playoffs as well. There's obviously a lot to go forward with that, but it's kind of interesting heading into the final week of the regular season. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about a couple of coaches that are going to be on the free agent market this year, and we're also going to talk about Tom Wilson particularly more or less, not necessarily on the Tom Wilson side. I've had a lot of time to think about Tom Wilson. But we're going to go into the page of the side of the Department of Player Safety, folks. Yes, George Perilous will get another shout-out on this show. Not a positive one, but another shout-out nonetheless. And we'll also get into the story that's been developing in college hockey of Alabama-Huntsville. Now, if you haven't heard the story yet, they're not going to play next season. We'll get to more of that later on, probably in the second half hour of today's show. Once again, it's another hour-long show here on this special Mother's Day edition of TKS. So, obviously, with that, huge shout-out to all the moms out there, all the hockey moms that have made sure that we're able to get out to practice early enough and make sure we get out there in those 7 a.m. skates and those 8 a.m. games, learning how to tie skates. My mom, boy... She had to tie my skates enough times that she probably remembers how to do it. She wasn't really the best at it, so we're just going to let that one go. But I digress. We're just happy at the fact that for it wasn't for those amazing moms for you all out there, we wouldn't be doing the we wouldn't be able to play the fun game or do any fun stuff that we do nowadays. If it weren't for my mom, I brought, well, my mom would have not have convinced my dad, "Hey, hon, just let him go to Canada. It'll be fun. It'll be fun, all right." It, I mean, hey, I got a great learning experience out of it. And it's like, hey, hon, let him go to that party, that rookie party. That sounds like a lot of fun, good team bonding experience. It was. It was kind of odd for an 18-year-old, but I digress. No names named at all. But before we really dive deep into this Mother's Day episode of TKS, we got to thank our sponsors that have been able to help us put this show together today. My bookie.ag down there in the corner. Use the promo code 12OUNCESPORTS to sign up, win, and get paid on mybookie.ag. Baseball in full swing, basketball playoffs in view, hockey playoffs in view. Guys, there's a lot of chance to win some big bucks on mybookie.ag, so make sure you check that out. And of course, as always, you got them on the sticker right there in the corner. You got them right up in the corner as well on the screen. And of course, I'm repping the swag today. Second string leather company, hashtag crafted from the crease, collection eight, guys. It's real cool, Ray Emery stuff and all sorts of all sorts of products that come with it and other stuff as well. 
Be sure to check it out. Secondstringleather.com, hashtag crafted from the crease. All right, so where do we start today? So we'll get to the whole Tom Wilson, New York Ranger stuff, like I said, in the bottom of the hour. We'll get to the UAH nonsense at the bottom of the hour. Let's start with the news that's happened over the last, I would say, yeah, 24 hours. Two coaches, one well-established and one that's had success. The other, well, he's been around. He's been assistant coaches for a couple guys that have won cups, but hasn't really been successful in his own right. First of all, the big news yesterday coming out last night after the Columbus Blue Jackets game, John Tortorella no longer said he's going to respectfully, peacefully part ways with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Now, I think that's the big part in all of this story is because we all know John Tortorella, fiery John Tortorella, benching Pierre-Luc Dubois, pretty much forcing Kakenlinen's, uh, oh my lord, Yarmo Kekalainen's job. Good. See, I was talking about all those Finnish kids the last couple weeks, and they are all very similar, and I all, got, all of a sudden got them all mixed up. The U18s did a number on me, guys. Yarmo Kekalainen's hand to trade Pierre-Luc Dubois, got Patrick Laine, and to point did that work out. But the crazy thing in all of this is trying to figure out what's next for John Tortorella. Now, here's the thing about torts. Tortorella is one of those guys, and I discussed this in length with a lot of other guys, uh, with Bruce Levine. We were talking about it off air uh, when I was down in Dallas, down in Plano, excuse me, talking about the Blue Jackets. Torts is one of those guys that he only can last so long. He's not a guy that can coach for a team for 20 years and be successful the entire time. Eventually, he outs, I don't say he outstays his welcome, but eventually it, run, it runs its course. Mike Keenan was not going to coach for Philadelphia for 15, 20 years. He was not going to coach Hawks, the Hawks forever. Boy, didn't that, did that work in St. Louis or what? You get the point, right? Even Pat Burns, the great Pat Burns, he was in Montreal, went to Toronto, took a couple years, or pardon me, then he went to Boston, took a couple years off, and then came to New Jersey, finally won a cup. The great coaches eventually run their course. Even Scotty Bowman, those powerful Montreal Canadian teams in the 70s, you know, guys, Buffalo looks a lot better. <laughs> didn't win as much in Buffalo, but then again, Montreal didn't win much when he left either. So, so I, I it's really interesting to see what's going to happen for Torts. Where, like, where is he going to go? Obviously, the Seattle job is going to be open, but he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's going to fit in that role. What's the future going to be? I don't think. Eh. Well, there's big questions right now with David Quinn with the New York Rangers, given what just happened last week. Like I said, we'll get to that later. But it's hard to imagine that they're going to go back and do a Tortorella part two. As much as Chris Jury probably realizes that he's a good coach, I don't think they're going to go back and try that again. But obviously, there's Arizona. Like I said, we'll get to that, that story here in just a moment. But I, I wonder now what the plan is going to be for Torts. Does this whole saga with Pierre-Luc Dubois and not being able to coach younger players, younger star players, obviously Dubois maybe not being the absolute juggernaut that he was going to be going to Winnipeg, but he's still producing and he's obviously much more comfortable than he was when he was down under torts in Columbus. Is that going to deter general managers from picking up a guy like that? That's the big question in all of this. Can torts be a guy that can adjust Will he adjust? Is he willing to adjust? I don't know. 
I, it's really tough for me to see that. I mean, yes, this year has been a disaster for Columbus. They were in the thick of it early on. They trade Dubois, get Patrick Line, and a lot of people said, all right, perfect. Columbus has got the scoring they need, and they are bottom of the division. They are tied with Detroit. Guys, Detroit is not going to finish last. Now, granted, if you guys remember to our preseason predictions here on TKS, I did not say that Detroit was going to finish last. I said they're going to finish seventh. I thought Chicago was going to finish last. Then again, I picked Columbus to also be in the top three of this division. And look at me, doing great. We'll get to all my bad picks here in just a moment, but uh, it's it's so incredibly tough to watch a great coach go down, even though as much as the discretion and the disgruntledness that follows Torch around wherever he goes. Obviously, Vancouver, that did not work out at all. But then again, some coaches, they kind of fall flat. Like we mentioned, I talked about Scotty Bowman in Buffalo. Those teams were competitive, but they were not going to be the Montreal Canadiens, or even the St. Louis Blues when Scotty Bowman first got his start in the National Hockey League. Great coaches eventually will find bad spots, and obviously it's going downhill for the Columbus Blue Jackets. What's going to happen next? Who is going? Where is it going to open up, and who's willing to take a chance? Because I don't think Dallas is going to turn. Sorry, I thought I saw someone outside that was waving at me. I looked at the window there. Rick Bonus is not going to leave Dallas. I'm looking at all the teams that are not in a playoff spot right now. Chicago, I don't think they're going to make a move. I think they're very comfortable with the situation they're at now. They were a competitive team, and let's be honest, up until probably a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, they were in the hunt for the playoffs, and they weren't even supposed to be there. Look at their goaltending. They're not supposed to be there at all. Like I said, the Rangers, well, the Ra- they're not. I don't think they're going to go back to Torts, even if they get rid of David Quinn. Philadelphia, I think they're viewing this maybe as an off year. They'll try it again with Vigneault next year. The Devils, they got Lindy Ruff. I don't think they're going to make a move from there. And Buffalo, (laughs) you think John Tortorella is going to get Jack Heichel to be a two-way hockey player, be a better player? No, that's not going to happen. Montreal, well, they're in a playoff spot right now. Well, they're holding on to it. Um, Unofficially, are not in a playoff spot yet. It's really weird. They're... It's it's just because of Vancouver's lack of games that the reason why that and same for Calgary that they're not out of it yet. But we'll get to that story in here in just a moment. Calgary is not going to get rid of Daryl Sutter. They just signed him for three years. Vancouver, Travis, but that, like I said, it's another thing. Where I don't think they're going to go towards part two. Travis Green. I, it was a weird year in general for the Vancouver Canucks. So I wonder if they're going to give Green another shot, maybe a one year extension. We'll get to another coach who signed here in just a moment as well. I mean, it's really tough to see where he's going to go. I don't, I really don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to be capable of going to an expansion team. Now, yes, there's going to be a lot of good, talented players on the Seattle Kraken, but he's not good enough, though, to be a guy that can bring a team together. Gerard Gallant was able to do that in Vegas because that's just the kind of guy he is. That's why Gallant, for me, is the almost sincere and probably most profitable and most honest option to be the coach in Seattle. He just did it with the Vegas Golden Knights a couple of years ago. Why not do it again? Now, the reason why he got fired from Vegas, that's because I'm like, we need to win now. We've lost three in a row. Let's get rid of them. And we'll hire our enemy there, Pete DeBoer. And Pete DeBoer's looking pretty good there in the West, by the way. I I just wonder what that what the plan's going to be with Golan, or with Tortorella. It's going to be hard to find him unless there's a shocking move 
I mean, like if Chris Jury, because Chris Jury is probably going to be, well, hold on. I'd say Chris Jury is going to be the guy to make that decision, but we'll get to the New York stuff here in a little bit. The other coach that was fired, we'll see, like I said, we'll keep our tabs on torts. But the other guy that decided to part ways, we haven't heard the word peacefully used with this, but it's Rick Tockett. Rick Tockett and the Arizona Coyotes are parting ways. Now, we have not heard if it's going to be involving or if it's been peaceful or what the plan is with that. But obviously, the the story with the Arizona Coyotes this year, ever since that athletic article came out earlier on this year, it just put them in a massive, complete and utter disarray. The team all of a sudden started to play poorly. Darcy Kemper was hurt. The scoring wasn't there up and down the lineup. It just was not going well. Bill Armstrong, who is just a complete and utter turducken from what we've learned. I mean, I don't know if you put Rick Tock in the bad spot here, but obviously the Coyotes management thinks this team can win now, and they should. After 290 games, Tockett's record was 125, 131, and 34. So a little below Bettman 500, if you ask me. So I, I, yes, Arizona was good last year. But once again, is anyone going to give Rick Tockett on a shot after this with Arizona? I don't think so. Yes, he's going to be available, but who's going to take him on as a head coach? If you don't, I mean, maybe it's it's more likely he goes to the Rangers or to Vancouver than it would be for John Tortorella. There's no way Tockett's going to go to coach the Seattle Kraken. Not a chance Ronnie Francis takes a shot, takes a gamble on that. He's going to have to find a guy that's a little more stable. That's why Tockett's out of that question for Seattle. But Vancouver, you know, he's used to coaching younger players in Arizona. Connor Garland comes to mind, Chick- Jacob Chikrin. And obviously, you have Phil Kessel around there, but you know he's able to coach the younger players. Clayton Keller, another one that comes to mind right away. So you're going to be in going to Seattle or going to Vancouver. You're going to have you know still have a young Besser and Pedersen and a team that is still good. That's the thing that hurts me with Vancouver this year. It's a still a good hockey team, guys. Still a very talented bunch. But like I said, we'll get to them here in just a moment when we talk about the standings. But I don't know what the deal is going to be now with Arizona. What are you going to look for? How much are you going to be able to pay out? Are you going to take a chance on a new coach? A coach that maybe hasn't been in the National Hockey League yet. And of course, we're still waiting for the day after the regular season we see a few more coaches get fired. If we see coaches get fired. Heck, we may see a coach in the team that makes the playoffs get fired. I'm not saying Dominic Ducharme's job's in jeopardy here, but if the Habs don't turn things around here in a little bit, they may be in a little bit of trouble. So I, I, you really got to wonder what's going to go on there. A couple of highlights we must talk about here. First, the first big one, Connor McDavid, a guy that, believe it or not, on this program, folks, haven't really talked about a whole lot, even though we do talk about the North Division quite a bit here on this program. Connor McDavid in 54 games, 53 games, excuse me, has scored 100 points. Becoming, I believe, the fifth player in angel history. It's a very elite class to score 100 points in less than 60 games. He did it in 53. Now, Lemieux's done it in 30-some-odd, and 
Gretzky, of course, had some great years as well, to say the least. And it just solidifies the fact that Connor McDavid is probably going to be the Hart Trophy winner this year. Obviously, the Art Ross, but the Hart Trophy winner indeed. Because, man, he, it's and it's incredible. He got four last night, four points. People were like, is this the night he does it? Like, I don't know. Come on, guys. It's it's Vancouver. And yeah, Vancouver's going to battle hard and they're not playing the best. But there's no way he's going to get four. He scores 47 seconds in and all of a sudden, holy cow, he's got a chance to do it. And then he just takes over on the power play. The team itself was just absolutely on fire last night. Oilers were playing good hockey. Sorry, I was getting a text message. Got, Of course, I got dinner plans with the Maja after this. I got this Mother's Day edition of TKS. But I, it's so incredible to watch a guy dominate the way McDavid has. And yes, I will say this, and I'll mention it during our playoff preview, guys. I picked Edmonton to finish last in the division. Why, kids? Because I'm like, well, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl are great, but their goaltending and defense is shocking. Well, they figured out a way to make kind of poignant that, hey, we may not be the best defensive team, and Mike Smith has actually put in some pretty good numbers this year, and they probably barely let Miko Koskinen touch the net this year, which has probably been the good reason why they were able to be successful this year is because Koskinen, after Smith came back from injuries, like, you're going to sit on that bench, sir, and you're going to know it very well. And guess what? It's paid off. All of a sudden, they're a team that's second in the division, got it locked up because the Toronto Maple Leafs, of course, last night clinched the spot in clinched the top spot in the North Division, their first division title in 21 years. Last one was during the 99-2000 season. So let's kind of turn that into the deal here. The with the look at the standings here as things wrap up. Only a couple of divisions have all four, actually three of the four. The only one is, is the North. We'll get to that here in just a moment. Let's go quickly to the West first. Vegas Golden Knights. No division crown yet handed out, which is au contraire to the other three. Vegas right now, 54 games, two left. They have 80 points. Right now, they're number one. Colorado, they have 53 games played, so one game in hand on the Vegas Golden Knights, four points back. And they're playing all right right now. They're 6-4-10. and 10. We'll quickly pull up their schedule here to see how it goes, but we'll quickly run down the rest. Minnesota, 75 points, two games in hand. Now, obviously not going to be able to catch the Vegas Golden Knights, but they have a chance to jump Colorado for second. Eric Pesolano is probably shaking his boots because he's realizing that if Colorado doesn't jump Vegas, it's going to be Colorado and Minnesota in the first round of the playoffs. St. Louis, 18 points back. 18 points back of Minnesota in fourth place. I don't want to say a team that's literally hanging on to going to the playoffs. We'll get to another team here when we get to the North here in just a moment. But boy, if the rest of the West was not this bad, St. Louis may be in a little bit of a tighter battle. Arizona was close. Arizona, though, only has one more game left, and they're at 54 points. So no chance there. So St. Louis will finish fourth, and they'll take on the top seed in the Western Conference, whomever that may be. Colorado, though, has a couple of tough games coming up here, though. Tomorrow night, they get Vegas. You talk about a game that's oh so important for them if they want to be a division champ and not have to play Minnesota. That game will be important. It's in Vegas, which they're allowing fans now. That's going to be a big one. But then they also have L.A. back-to-back. Wednesday, Thursday, both in Denver at Ball Arena. You talk about a chance to jump the Vegas Golden Knights. You pick up a win tomorrow. And you get a win against, or two wins against L.A., a team that 
is pretty much at this point checked out. They have lost four of their last 10 games, and they've lost back-to-back games as well. I'm pretty sure they're feeling pretty good about their chances. Vegas, they have, but then again, you talk about Vegas, they have one more game after that game tomorrow night. That's Wednesday against the Sharks. So San Jose, despite being a pretty scrappy team, at one point was making a push towards that fourth spot. You wonder, are they going to take that game seriously? Obviously, the division title on the line, and you can either play Minnesota or St. Louis. I wonder who I'm going to take in that battle. Now, granted, like we said, Minnesota sitting third can't jump Vegas Golden Knights. But if Vegas is able to do some stuff against Colorado and L.A. plays well against the Avalanche, they have a chance to knock off the top team. There are a couple games they have left, both against St. Louis Wednesday and Thursday. They have a couple days off after that overtime win yesterday against the Anaheim Ducks. By the way, Ryan Miller's last game in the NHL. Tough way to go out, but even Gretzky lost in overtime in his last game. So maybe Ryan Miller can take that home to the bank. But Minnesota, two more games left both against St. Louis, and if you're St. Louis, you know you're in the playoffs. I mean, at this point, Minnesota's playing for home ice advantage against either Colorado. It would be against Colorado. It would have to be against Colorado. So if you're Minnesota, you're all of a sudden, despite having a lot of tough battles and a couple of close games, you're all of a sudden cheering for the Vegas Golden Knights tomorrow night, and then L.A. in back-to-back games for for the Avalanche. Excuse me. I have a runny nose right now. Just right. It's it's weird because if I put pants on, I'm wearing shorts, by the way. If I put pants on, though, long legs, I'm going to get really sweaty. That's why I'm kind of sniffling right now. But obviously, a lot to get up. Now, Vegas wins tomorrow. It's over. Seating is set. But if Colorado wins tomorrow, boy, oh, boy. Well, if Vegas wins, obviously, second and third. But the division crown would go to the Vegas Golden Knights. So a lot to be played for in the West. Moving on over now to the, let's jump over to the East Division here, why don't we? Because, mainly because of the fact that that one is just about set. It's kind of odd and interesting, but somehow, some way, the Pittsburgh Penguins have won the division. <laughs> I, I don't know how it happened. Yes, Boston was tailing hard, so hard, towards the end, but... Who would have thought Pittsburgh, who's won eight of their last 10 games, they're on a three-game win streak with Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith as their goaltenders. They get rid of Matt Murray, and Crosby's old, and Malkin was in and out of the lineup, and Teddy Bluger's on the second line. Who would have thought this Pittsburgh Penguins team was going to win the division? (laughs) Seriously, it's incredible. And yes, there is a separation. There's 10 points between the Islanders and Rangers between fourth and fifth, but... Who would have thought that Pittsburgh was going to come out and dominate this division? Now, they have clinched spot over Washington. Washington, who has one game left. Pittsburgh's done for the year. Washington will finish with, even if they finish with 77 points, the regulation wins, and I guess the head-to-head between Pittsburgh and Washington will give favor to the Penguins. So Washington, barring any craziness, because there's two games left, I don't know if Boston will. I don't think Boston has a chance. No, Boston does not have a chance to pass over Washington. So it'll be Pittsburgh, Washington, first and second. The only one that's up for grabs. The Islanders have one game left. They're sitting at 70 points. Boston with two games left. They have 71 points. Take a quick look at the Islanders' upcoming schedule. They play one game tomorrow, and it is against Boston. It's just great. This is why... 
this is why of all the years to have the division, like having these tight battles, like, hey, you have to win this game because if you do, you may jump them. Now, Boston, like I said, Boston does have a game in hand. That is the kicker in this little bit of a story we have here because if for some reason the Islanders, even if they were to win that game tomorrow, Boston has one more game, and that game is on Tuesday. So second half of back-to-back, they go from home to TD Garden after that loss yesterday to the Rangers, which would have pretty much sealed up the third spot. But the Rangers were able to hold on to a 5-4 win yesterday. If the Bruins were to win, it clinches that, obviously. But if the Islanders win, that means Boston has to go down to Washington on Tuesday. Now, that may be a favorable matchup because Washington, they know they're finishing second place. They got whatever they need. Go home happy. But they would have to still, at least I think they would have to get a point. Let's see what the right, hold on. Let me check out what the regulation or regulation wins will count for here. Well, they both have 28. The Islanders and Bruins both have 28. So let's just say Islanders win regulation. Gives them 29 wins. That means Boston will have to defeat the Washington Capitals the next night on Tuesday. So it's very interesting the way to end the regular season there. Let's go back now to the Central Division. This one is locked up. We pretty much know exactly what's going to happen in the Central. So Carolina, 80 points. They've locked up the Central Division title. I'm pretty sure it's their first in a while, <laughs> their first division title in some time. But Carolina, I mean, they they have been able to pull it off with the fact that they have had to use Alex Nedeljkovic for a lot of the year because Mrazek and Reimer have both been in and out of the lineup. Florida, boy, oh boy, Chris Drieger, Carter Verhage, guys that up until this year you would never have guessed have been key players. Those guys have led the charge. Obviously, Sasha Barkov really helps out quite a bit. <laughs> that, that certainly helps out, and... Of course, guys in the back in Yandel's been playing well. Like the Florida Panthers are a team to reckon with. And of course, they had that little bit of a dust up last night with Tampa. Tampa, on the other hand, really interesting spot. They are two points back in third place in the Central Division, a team that we picked, I picked, remember Alex both picked to win the division. They have each have one game left. Tampa takes on, oh my goodness, I just looked at the schedule. Literally, tomorrow night's game between Tampa and Florida is probably the biggest game of the year in terms of seeding. And because here's the thing, too. You guys have to remember, down in Florida, they're allowing a lot of fans. This is is the first, no matter what, because Nashville, who just clinched last night with the win over Carolina, they have 62 points, not catching anybody. Unfortunately, Dallas couldn't make it. Sorry there, Bruce Levine. Your job's going to end a little bit soon this year. But, hey, there's a lot of good golfing down in Dallas. You'll be fine. (laughs) So... But this is the first time we'll ever have the Battle of Florida in the playoffs. It's really interesting to see. And obviously, home ice advantage is going to be huge. Now, I yes, people are like, the BB&T Center is always empty. Listen, guys, Florida in the playoffs, people come out to those games. Now, will, will we see the rats after the games? I'm not sure. We'll have to wait and see. But that game tomorrow is huge because if Tampa were to win in regulation tomorrow, the game goes to overtime, Florida gets second. But if Tampa were to win in regulation tomorrow, They'll both have 77 points and and regulation wins will give them 30. So make sure I got the uh, few number of games played, number of games won, excluding overtime. Okay, so yep, I made sure that I checked checked the tie-breaking procedure. Tampa would have 30 regulation wins to Florida's 25. Now, if Florida wins, then it doesn't matter, or get game goes to overtime, it will not matter. So Tampa has to win regulation tomorrow if they want to jump Florida for second in the division and have home ice advantage in that first round series. Now, the North Division. 
kind of funky. So Toronto has two games left. They have clinched the spot, obviously, last night. Eight points ahead of Edmonton. Edmonton has that second spot locked up with 68 points after the win last night. Toronto has two games left. Three for the Oilers. Winnipeg, who has lost... <laughs> Winnipeg, who has struggled. They've only won two of their last 10 games. They're sitting in third with 59 points. Mont- and, but they've clinched a playoff spot. Montreal has not, though. And the reason why Montreal has not clinched a playoff spot yet, despite being 14 points ahead of Vancouver, who is sitting last in the division, Vancouver still has seven games left. And here's the kicker. If Vancouver, who has lost two of the last 10 games as well, if for some reason Vancouver was able to win all seven games, they would jump the the Montreal Canadiens. Montreal had a chance yesterday to punch their ticket. But they lost, obviously, to Toronto. They were able to come back, even though they were up to a 2-0 lead early on. It seemed like they had everything in the bag. Toronto came back and picked up the win. Montreal, kind of a bit of a favorable schedule. They play two games against Edmonton. Once again, Edmonton has it in the bag. The second spot, they're fine. They'll either get Winnipeg or the fourth seed if they're able to jump. Pardon me. So if... Gosh, got to stop burping here. (laughs) Montreal... If they pick up a point in one of those two games, Vancouver's out, they get the fourth spot. There is no chance for Calgary to come back. Calgary has 47. Same for Ottawa, so they're both out. Vancouver's the only team that has a chance, and they're sitting in last. But then again, like I said, they have five games in hand. Montreal has two games left. Here's the thing, though. Winnipeg, who has three games left, and like I said, are on an absolute fallout. They play Vancouver twice, Toronto on Friday. They play Monday, Tuesday in against the Canucks in Winnipeg, and then they host the Leafs on Friday. If they somehow fall off and lose all three of those games, or excuse me, if they lose two of them, and Toronto wins both games, or Mont- Toronto, Montreal wins both games against Edmonton, Montreal will jump the Jets for third. And yes, does it destroy the fact that we may have a classic Toronto-Montreal battle in the playoffs in the first round? Possibly. And yes, it will probably get rid of the 80s battle between Winnipeg and Edmonton. But that's where it stands right now. So there's a lot to play for in a couple divisions, which, you know what, just the way things have gone this year, I think we're all pretty darn happy to know that there's competing to the end. Obviously, all the playoff spots are just about taking up Vancouver. I didn't even look at Vancouver's schedule. Let's just quickly run that here before we go to break. I know we're running on time here because we still have UAH and Tom Wilson to get to. Obviously, like we mentioned, Vancouver's got both games in Winnipeg Monday, Tuesday. Thursday, they're in Calgary. Saturday, in Edmonton. Sunday, and Sunday at home against Calgary. Tuesday at home against Calgary. Back in Calgary on Wednesday. So realistically, they're playing a Vancouver or Winnipeg team in the next two days that wants to really kind of secure that third spot. One win will do it. If Winnipeg wins one game, Montreal finishes fourth, Vancouver's out. It's all hunky-dory fine from there. But, like I said, it's it's not impossible. It's just very unlikely the Vancouver Canucks come back. Now, remember, guys, I picked Vancouver to finish fourth, so just remember that. Now, granted, yes, I picked Calgary to finish third. It's not looking good. They're looking to almost finish third to last, but I digress. So with that, let's take a quick break here, folks, because, well, we've got, we just ran through a lot, and it's only an hour-long show today. So, like I said, we'll take a quick pause here, and when we come back, what we're going to do is we're going to get mad. Coffee's starting to kick in a little bit. A little bit dangerous. Tom Wilson, 
Maybe not Tom Wilson. The Angel Department of Player Safety. That's more like it. The New York Rangers. What the hell are they doing? And the Alabama Huntsville Chargers. Not playing next year. Why? We'll find out after this here on The Kill Show. And welcome back, everyone, here to The Kill Show here on 12 Ounce Sports. I am your host, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kuehl. So this past week, guys, it's been a... It's been weird. Now, yes, we had all the playoff talk and all that mumbo-jumbo. We took care of that already. If you're just joining us here on 12 Ounce Sports. Don't forget, though, if you missed the first half of the show, you missed the first half hour, that's fine. It's okay. Just make sure you jump on the Kula Show YouTube channel tomorrow. Check out the full replay, the full video replay, and your favorite podcatcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Google, Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Radio FM. Uh, am I missing one here? Tune in. Does LinkedIn have podcast? Ah, whatever. Wherever you get your podcast, that's where the audio will be, so you don't have to see my ugly mug. But there's been a lot that's gone on the last couple weeks. Last week. So, <laughs> Tuesday night. Of course, when, after we do a Sunday show, stuff happens, of course, later on. Oh, I forgot to mention, Rod, uh, sorry, before we get to all the dumb stuff, Rod Brendamore signs his, his extension with the Carolina Hurricanes. Three years at $1.8 million. Guys, $1.8 million. Rod Brendamore's coaching salary is the equivalent of a typical third-line center in the National Hockey League. Well, fourth-line. Well, depends on what kind of budget you're looking at. But you get what I'm saying, folks. Rod Brendamore is taking a hard hometown discount. Now, the thing is, we got to remember with that story is that he was going to wait until his guys were taken care of. His assistant coaches and the guys he wanted on board were taken care of first. So obviously those contracts had to have been signed as well before Brendamore officially put his name on the dotted line. So good for Rod to stay there for a few more years, but that's a heck of a pay cut. And folks in Carolina better be giving, the, giving that man a pat on the back, owe him a couple of beers for that hometown discount he took saying in Raleigh. But let's get to the big news coming out last week. So Tom Wilson and the New York Rangers, they play Monday night. I said Tuesday, Monday night. And he, this. let's just go through it. You guys know the story. He punches Pavel Buchnevich, throws a German suplex on Tammy Panarin without a bucket, knocks him down. And then he makes himself look like a big dumb goof. Because look at me, I'm strong in the penalty box. Look at me, uh, you stupid dingus. I'm not going to go after Tom Wilson here, folks. Because here's the thing about Tom Wilson. The definition of insanity which is kind of hilarious and kind of a bit of ironic and to the next point I'm about to make here. Insanity is the, de- the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, hoping for a different result. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to convince Tom Wilson to stop being stupid because you want to know why? Because he knows that he can get away with the stuff he's doing, guys. That's the problem in this whole scenario. The thing is that he only got fined $5,000 for potentially, pardon me, not potentially, actually injuring Artemi Panarin for the rest of the year. Now, thank goodness the Rangers fell out of the playoffs long ago enough that the fact that it's not a big deal. But how will that affect Panarin in the future? Boy, he was inches away from cracking his skull up in the ice, and we got us a whole new Bill Masterton story to talk about. Bill Masterton. You guys want to talk about the trophy? Why is it the trophy for perseverance and whatnot? Because Bill Masterton died on the ice when he missed a check and put his head into the ice. Had his head crack open and died because of the game. So, riddle me this, children. How long before the NHL Department of Player Safety has to penalize a guy because someone died on the ice at the hands of Tom Wilson or someone else that does something stupid? 
That's where this story comes to now. Unfortunately, no one's going to be able to control Tom Wilson because he realizes he sees where the line is and he straddles it like he's straddling the blue line while they're entering the zone. It's not illegal, but it looks kind of shady. Because the NHL Department of Player Safety has done an excellent job over the last, gosh, five years since George Peros has been hired as the boss of the Department of Player Safety. They've done an amazing job of not enforcing their their rules. They're not enforcing proper player safety protocols because they're allowing Tom Wilson to get away with more and more stuff every single time. Now, yes, the we're looking at this by a case-by-case basis. The point, guys, of supplemental discipline is to actually, each time someone does something stupid, they get penalized more and more, regardless of the severity. Now, this, the, a lot of the, comp, the, the discussion that was made over the past week was the story of Rafi Torres. Because back when Rafi Torres was trying to go around decapitating people, Brendan Shanahan was the sheriff in town. He was the one saying, all right, Rafi, you did it again. Here's three or four more games. Rafi, you did it again. Here's three or four more games. Rafi, you killed Marion Hosa, his career. Here's 35 games or however many it was. Kick rocks, get out of here. Brendan Shanahan was able to get Rafi Torres out of the game. You're telling me that Brendan Shanahan couldn't get Tom Wilson out of the league? You want to know why? Because Brendan Shanahan didn't go on a case-by-case basis. Rafi Torres was hitting people high, but not every time he caught him and brained him every single time. However, you know what? That was a dangerous hit, Rafi. Sure, it may not have been as bad as your last one, but he did it again. Tell me this, children. And this is going to involve children. Tell me this, parents. Here we go. Speaking of Mother's Day. When you catch your kid, let's say this. He takes a paintbrush and, boy or girl, the kid takes the paintbrush and paints the walls all different weird colors. You get mad at them, right? You put them in timeout. All right. Well, he's got, maybe that's, let's say it's the first time. Okay. The second time, maybe two days later, takes a nail and hammer. Because, you know, where I, uh, my brother and I grew up, we kind of had that laying around the house. And started nailing stuff on the wall and just had tacks, you know, nailed the door shut or something like that. You'd get pretty mad, wouldn't you? That's a longer, you're grounded for a few days after that. No, darn. Gets up, gets ungrounded a couple days later. And what does he do? How about this? He steals a hand in the cookie jar when you don't, when you tell him not to. If you're a parent, do you, Oh, you know what, hon? That's not too bad. It's only a cookie. Just go sit and time out. Or do you go on the fact that you've done a lot of dumb stuff the last few days here, kid? You're going to be grounded for a week after I told you not to put your hand in the cookie jar. You want to know about supplemental discipline, kids? There is your definition right there. There's the best example to put it as. Did Tom Wilson give a guy a concussion? Thank God he didn't. Thank goodness Artemi Panarin did not whip back, was not whipped back any further because that's his skull, that's the back of his head. Boy, we are having ourselves a lot bigger of an issue than a $5,000 fine or a suspension with Tom Wilson. My wife even likes it. My thing is this. Also, is that what I have to look forward to if we have boys pounding into the nails of a house? Oh, you see, Kelly was listening to my supplement. Well, okay, hold on, Kelly. You don't have to come in the shot, but does that make sense, my supplemental discipline thing? where nails are getting put into the wall. It gets worse and worse, but then they stick their hand in the cookie jar, but they did it right after. D- 
Do you ground them even longer or do you just, oh, just go sit and time out, hon? You can't hear us. I'll, I'll repeat whatever she says. As a parent, you should ground them after pounding the nail. No, that's what I'm saying. You do ground them, but then they do something the next day after they're not grounded anymore and they steal their hand in the cookie jar, even though you tell them not to. You add that on top of their... Thank you. Supplemental discipline. She agrees with me. You give them another grounding. Not for a week for a cookie in the cookie jar, but you know. You, yes, but you ground them nonetheless. You make an example out of it. But that's, but she agrees with me. We got Wixie now. Wixie, come here. Wixie, we need you here. Uh, Hold on, let me see if I can pull you out here. This is gonna be very uncomfortable. Ah, ah, oh geez. Okay, come here. Come here, come here Wixie. It's okay, no, she's gone now. I was trying to grab her from under the table, but it's a little bit of an awkward angle. So we're not gonna see Wixie this time, it's okay. But my wife, who is definitely the better of the two of us, even agrees with me. No. I'm glad you're recording this. I am recording this, and thank goodness you're not coming in the chat with that robe on. Good Lord. <laughs> She's going to work, people, so it's okay. She's getting ready for work. She's worked the last two nights. But you get what I'm saying here. You're supposed to penalize someone over and over and get, and it's supposed to be. Kelly, nope, you're out of this. You're out of this. Kelly, Kelly, you're out. I'm sorry. I gave you your time. Wixie, quit licking my feet. But the point is, folks, is that you're supposed to actually get, you're supposed to actually provide someone with consequences when you do this sort of thing. You don't just let them kind of get away with trying to take someone or throw someone around or whatever. And then on top of that, looking like a complete and utter ass in the penalty box. I'm Tom Wilson. I'm sorry. I, I have no time for that. But what I don't have time for is when people, honest to goodness, honest to goodness, are in charge of and actually can make an example out of him that don't. Does someone need to actually die in order for them to actually suspend a guy in this league nowadays? 1995 called. They wanted supplemental discipline back. Brian Burke was even able to suspend a guy in the 90s when he suspended... When he suspended... Claude Lemieux in the finals in the 90s. That was back when it was rough, when you people ran rough shot in the NHL. Tom Wilson could do the exact same thing today. Puck could come out in the neutral zone. He sees a guy, let's just say, I'm, who was Washington probably going to play in the first round. We'll say the Bruins. He could see Brad Marchand, or let's go with the Islanders because Brad people don't like Brad Marchand. Let's just say he boards... Brock Nelson from behind into the dashboards. You know what Tom Wilson would get today in the playoffs? Zip. He would get nothing because of this stupid administration. Because of George Peros. And yes, did the New York Rangers come out the next day and said, this is stupid. All of you guys are stupid. George Peros is unfit to work in the Department of Player Safety. And I'm sorry. There are some people out there that thought, okay, that was too much. I don't like that. Well, what are you going to do? What's supposed to happen here? Someone needs to say something before Tom Wilson sends a guy off on a stretcher. Do you want that? And everyone says, oh, you'd want Tom Wilson on your team, Tyler. You know what? Yeah, but I would hope that's something. Hell, I'm a Nazem Kadri fan still. And we lost Kadri for two playoff series against Boston. And had we had him in the lineup, we would have beaten Boston both times. Don't even think about trying to come back on me, New England. You know that's true. What I'm saying is, though, is that 
the point of actually penalize them. Because remember, Kadri only got a couple games in that first series in 2018 and got nixed for the rest of the series in 2019 when he went crazy. I'm just saying, that is called supplemental discipline. That's the only time that George Perlis has actually abided by that stupid policy or the phrase supplemental discipline. So I wonder now, moving forward, what is going to happen? Tom Wilson's going to go into that first playoff series. He's going to throw a high hit. It's going to knock someone out cold, and he's going to get nothing because it's the playoffs, and it doesn't really matter then. That's my big problem with this whole thing. I don't understand the logic. I don't understand the lack of reasoning, and the gosh darn non-transparency, intransparency, whatever the heck you want to call it, of the Department of Player Safety for saying it wasn't worth it because nobody got really hurt. Panera was able to get back up and he was okay. Yes, he was injured the rest of the year, but it was only a few games. That's why. The excuses that are being made to allow Tom Wilson to still play hockey, that's garbage. That's the problem. Would I have kicked him out of the league for that? No, I would have at least suspend him. At least show that you're trying. You're just allowing this guy to do stuff like this. And for, seriously, is someone going to have to have their skull cracked open and be bleeding on the ice for them to actually suspend somebody in this day and age? When did we all of a sudden go back to 1985? Honestly, it's getting ridiculous. This is like the fourth or fifth time this season in a shortened year, the fourth or fifth time this season that I've actually had to bring up the Department of Player Safety. It's a joke. An absolute joke. I love hockey. I love the NHL. But damn it, sometimes it makes them hard. They make it hard for me to really love them. It's absolutely the worst. Now, to end things on a high note, let's get even happier here. Let's talk about Alabama Huntsville. Now, this is... a. Here we go, folks. All right. So the story here with UAH, if you guys haven't heard about this, Alabama Huntsville has announced that they're going to spend the hockey program for next season. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So Peyton Turnage, I thought about bringing him on today's show. I'm like, you know what? Let's give Peyton, let's give Peyton the week off on this scenario. Let's just let me get into it because, first of all, that's one thing we got to realize in all this. Peyton Turnage... Is not gonna is not gonna have a job next year. Peyton Turnage, who is the play-by-play broadcaster for the Alabama Huntsville Chargers, always mention that whenever we bring him on. He's not gonna have a job next year. Now, how is that possible, folks? Remember last summer when they announced, ah, it's over, cutting the program entirely. But then we all rallied. I say we because yeah, we helped out here on the show, but there were other people that put in the great effort to help this program. Tarasophakaitis being one. Guys that played for this program back in the 90s that are making big bucks elsewhere were able to help out and save this program. And they were able to raise so much money. Was it, what, $17 million it was? Like, it's incredible. $17 million. Yep, I remember I looked it up. Because of all the people that cared for this hockey program, that want this program to survive. It's outstanding. It's amazing. To look at all these great people that stepped up and wanted to say, like, we want college hockey in Alabama Huntsville. 
It's out. It's amazing. And they raised seventeen million dollars. So this money, so the program can stay afloat, so the program can travel, pay for the travel budget. Yes, the discussion of the conference was going to be tough, or the lack of conference was going to be tough. But here's the thing. The school didn't matter, didn't care. That's my problem. I'm, I'm pulling on my phone right now. Make sure I get this guy's names right here. Because I was told to... Da, 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 da. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? There we go. So, just want to make sure I get the guy's name right. So there was a a president, or president, I'll get to the president here. There was a, a Zoom call that when they made the announcement of that Alabama Huntsville program was going to be suspended. On it was UH president Darren Dawson. And I didn't pull, I didn't get the video clip because A, I didn't ask for permission for it yet, so I don't know if I can use it, but also I forgot to talk to uh, Justin Bradford about it. And from Penalty Box Radio, works with Peyton. He asked a question, I'm like, why was, because the yearly report comes out about like accomplishments done by the university, both athletically and educationally, whatever. The accomplishment of the million dollars getting raised in four days. I have to remind people, four days. One, two, that's $250,000 a day. That's four New York Rangers fines last week in four, uh, or per day at least. I should probably mention that. He asked, why was that not on the annual report? Of the fact that a community and a fan base and alumni and college hockey supporters in general came out to save this program. Why was that not mentioned on there? President Darren Dawson, about as clueless as you would think. Yeah, that's, yeah, okay. So go ahead, buddy. Just go kick. So then another guy comes on and says, I can answer this. Well, we usually save those for athletic accomplishments like conference championships, blah, 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 blah. So what you're telling me is, folks, that UAH, despite this massive amount of support from around the globe, was not good enough to be mentioned in an annual report. I hate to say this. Alabama Huntsville, the school, the administration, does not want college hockey anymore. Even though, kids... That is their lone Division I program. This is a school in Alabama that doesn't even have football. Now, I've thrown on my tin hat a couple times this week and said, man, maybe they're just trying to make sure they save this money and don't have to spend anything on it just so they can afford a football team. Wouldn't that be quite the story in all this? Because here's the thing, guys. Despite not having a conference, all the school would have to do would pay for the kids' scholarships. They were going to cover all this money that was raised by the donors and all that. That was going to go to the team. The traveling, the lodging, the food, all that stuff. All they have to do is pay for the 20, what is it, 23, 25 scholarships that they have to afford. That's all they had to do. That's all they had to pay for. And I don't know what tuition rates down there in Alabama Huntsville are, but they can't be nothing like we have over here at Davenport, a private school. You're telling me you couldn't afford that? You're telling me you couldn't do it? That's why I'm just saying, guys, that's the hard part to realize in all this. Despite all the support that's given 
from, you know, Save UAH Hockey and We Love UAH Hockey, all those great social media platforms that have pushed and have a big fan base behind them. You're telling me that that was not good enough to support a hockey team at the administrative level. UAH does not want college hockey. Fine. Go find. It's so painful. Because, listen, I give everything flack to the South, but this just epitomizes and enhances the vision and the long-standing story of the South doesn't care about hockey. There's no such thing as a Southern hockey market. This is what pains me every single time. And I know there's a lot of fans out there that love hockey down in the South, but it's the fact of the matter is the people, the big wigs down there, I don't know if they wear wigs down in the South. They don't. According to their photos I saw in the Civil War, they didn't. But regardless, they clearly... Don't care about college hockey. And it sucks because there's a lot of people that want college hockey at Alabama Huntsville. They want hockey there because darn it, they supported it. And it's the only one in the South. That, this, is the, this was going to be the platform. We talked about it so much like this is what college hockey needs in the South. Then you're going to get Georgia to come along and then Alabama will join suit. You're going to have an NCAA conference in the Southeast. You're going to have your own SECHC in the NCAA level. It's going to be awesome because Alabama Huntsville stay, they stuck around and they pushed through it to make it happen. And now they're pulling out. Pardon me. The school is pulling hockey out of UAH. That's the problem. The people that have no clue and no desire for it think that they determine how it works. Despite everyone, Brian Burke of all people shouldn't even get a lick to Alabama Huntsville. He put money down to save that program. Cam Talbot, who has been gone for eons, Put money down to save it. Tarasov, Akitas, and all those guys, the guys that won a championship, actually won an NCAA championship at the Division II level, I'll be honest, but no other of their, prog- none of their current programs have won a damn thing. But hockey actually has. And the guys that were there when they won want to help this program survive. And they're getting nicks. They're getting overlooked. They're getting pushed aside by a bunch of people that wear suits and ties. I don't know how you do it. It's in the South. It's like 95 degrees all the time. But they're doing this and they're going to ruin the program because they don't want to have it there. They're going to do everything they can to get rid of hockey at their school. If you don't want it, come out and say it. Don't make it about an economic issue. Don't make it about the fact they can't afford it. Bologna, the money's there now. The money is safe for UAH. Just say it. Just say you don't want hockey. Say you're cutting it because you don't want it. That's fine. I can accept that. I can accept ignorance. I cannot accept the fact, though, that a school is saying that we cannot afford to have college hockey. Even though $17 million was stinking raised last year to save this program, to keep Charger hockey at UAH. That's my problem. Is that you're making up dumb excuses for something you don't want. If you don't want it, fine. Take it out. Cut it. Don't make up an excuse. Just cut the damn thing. (sighs) I hate people with a dying passion. There's a reason why I sit in a studio all day by myself. <sighs> My goodness gracious me. That's it for this week's episode. We'll be back next week with a longer show, or we'll maybe be back later this week to do our playoff preview. Oh, my Lord. It's, it sucks, guys. I'm sorry. It's painful for everyone. I want college hockey to thrive, but clearly people don't want to. That is it, though. Oh, what the heck? <laughs> Music's all since stopped. That's it for this week's episode, folks. Make sure you once again chime in with the conversation. Hashtag TKS. Follow us at The Kula Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. 
Thank you very much for watching this week's show. A lot of yelling, I know, at the end. But we'll be back soon with the playoff preview and extended coverage. Maybe two days, two a day, two weeks, two shows a week for the NHL playoffs. That is it, though, for this week. I'm Tyler Q, the Insider. Yeah, Insider saying so long and see you next time.